fuck is my podcast? I do what I want. We're more likely to believe an important local businessman than a foul mouth jerk from out of town. Foul mouth? Fuck you, man. Uh, Words or Nots, tonight's episode, a very special episode of The Worst Case Scenario, is not brought to you by Johnson & Johnson. Uh, it is brought to you by Loud and Clear Antiperspirant. Um, and I am your host, as always, Falio Iglesias, MC Onion, the Rap Scallion, Punani DeFranco, the subwoofer drug pusher, the Boulevard Thunder God, known to the ladies as a pimp named Sugar Hoogie, and uh, foxing with me, as always, is the Silver Fox, Silvery Plath, Alicia Silverstone, Yoni Berra, and uh, my Meloma Abdul is also known as that. Uh, and uh, my mellow, my man, who we cannot do without, Adam Strange, Adam Who Strange, uh, Tooth Willis, the Vice Count, Dirty Finger. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff in the world, so we're going to start with the heavy shit. Uh, Stephanie Grisham's new book, former uh, Trump, uh, not speaker of the house what, are they, what do they call it the press secretary the press secretary this is important this is important don't even belittle this uh former press secretary stephanie grisham is writing a tell-all and normally i'm like who gives a fuck whatever there's like 800 trump books but what really needs to be just noted in the culture uh is some heavy shit is that she was saying that um at one of the meetings between trump and Boris Johnson, the uh, Gary Busey impersonator turned prime minister of the UK, spent uh, a disproportionate amount of time discussing how formidable and terrifying kangaroos are. Yeah. And I could not agree I wouldn't more. fight one. No, Mm-mm. fucking fight one. I'm like, are you win? Oh, uh, but you yo, could fight a kangaroo. You think you're gonna? Hmm. Listen. Yeah, I find it hard. I, I mean, would clearly charm a kangaroo. Charm is one thing. You, would you uh, would you date a kangaroo? Do you feel like uh, that would be gross and weird? No, that's not. A well, thing. then what are Nobody's you charming him for? Nobody likes Australians. You're leading him on. He'd be all like, "You've literally called me Snow White. Like on. I'm very, uh, you know, attuned to the animal kingdom." Well, well, she was into just like little dudes, but okay. I no, mean, if you want to, she had a pack of animals really, like that followed her around and like helped her do dishes and shit. That yeah. is absolutely true. But she was like, into she was into dwarfs. Like it's not okay to say midget. Like it's they're dwarfs. Um, but I'm just saying that kangaroo. Look, I find it very very hard to have common ground with <laughs> Trump, um, Busey. Or, or Boris Johnson. Yeah. Um, but I will say. Hey, and you know, I always feel if you say, when you think of Trump and Johnson, they should have that um, mayor from Toronto, Rob Ford, oh, the one yeah, that smoked yeah, crack. He should be there. Crack. They should be like, hey, there's another world leader out here that's got the crazy blonde hair. Let's have a party. Or just is a kook. But uh, a blonde party? Like, what is he? He, he had crazy hair as well. He also smoked crack often, like out in the a streets lot. with the people. And he did. He, no, I mean yeah. these are these are fair His constituents. But they're similar I, he, guys. And I don't know that crazy blonde hair is the salient point mm-hmm. about uh, Rob Ford, but uh, it is. It is accurate. Uh, the gorilla is arriving, so as we can see, you know, clearly. we're we're clearly not going to edit this out. But my point is just this: uh, I find it very hard to uh, have common ground with Rob Ford, Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, uh, Boris Yeltsin, for that reason, Gary Busey. Unfortunately, I do find a lot of common ground with Nick Nolte, but they seem similar. And they, all I'm saying, though, is that um, if if uh, two world leaders of such now, like Johnson and Trump suck, 
but they are of great importance or were at the time and they're world leaders they're offices and they're gonna be like yo we need to have a summit about like kangaroos this shit is real like kangaroos are real and we need to fucking deal with this well you know i can't honestly i apparently found some common ground i guess you know what i mean like i don't I, I don't like it. About- Honestly, that's what I want world leaders to be doing. Like they could be making plans to destroy us all or make new laws, but instead they were like, "Kangaroos are badass. They are badass." You know, like oh, that's- I don't think it's instead. I think it's in addition to. Could be, could be. I think that they're like. Did you hear the other thing that's was fair. that? Um, I think that's a good assessment. Grisham also oh, said a diversion that diversion tactic. When when Putin had meetings that Trump was coming to, he would get hot translators to distract Trump. Oh, I did see that. And that anytime you see them in photographs, the, the translator is always smoking hot. You know, yeah. and Trump is usually too busy talking about her to, to worry about Russia cybercriming us or whatever. Also a diversion tactic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also, though, I just, yeah, I just, you know, the, I mean, that's the point for Putin, but I also feel like it's just gravy. Like, he's just, like, taking victory laps. Uh, at, at, I mean, at that point, because it's like, dude, Putin. You already had to be. He's like, he's taking a real Belichick moment at that time. He's just running up the scoreboard of like, yo, we already got this fucking dingbat yeah. uh, elected president of this superpower of a country. And then uh, we're going to, he's probably only having summits with Trump just as, you know, as... Mm-hmm. To have some fun with him, you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, it's I, I'm sure a big part of it is look how important I am to my own people. Yeah, and but then just adding, like he already knows, like Trump gets on TV and like says some bitch ass shit, like about how much fealty he has to Putin. Yeah. Like, it's some bugged out shit. But, or or he was doing that at the time. And then, uh... Putin Annie. <laughs> oh! That's your new show alias. <laughs> if so only they That knew. was actually the translator's so name. Vladimir Putin Annie. It was like Anastasia Morvoklitz. I can't, Aww. I don't know Russian names. But no, yeah, another, no. My, my point one. is just that he, he already... Riot. He already... <laughs> He already had the upper hand. Uh, so, like, throwing the extras oh, yeah. onto, uh, like, having the sexy trends later. Like, yo, let's uh, let's distract the fucking dimwit with extra sauce. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of pouring syrup on his shit at that point. And um, another bit from the book is Grisham says that she was on Air Force One and she had to go into Trump's little office to ask him a question. And while she was asking him the question, he just all of a sudden goes, Hey, Trudeau, you know Trudeau? You know the Rolling Stones all banged his mom, right? And I was like, what? You know, you know, we covered that on Worst Case Scenario a we long did. time ago. We I did, brought yes. it up. I just, I learned from a podcast. But there's this thing where she was young and um, but Rolling it's not Stones all are coming of the to the country. Stones. No. It's two of the Stones. But Keith Richards gets busted with some dope on his way into Canada. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of in jail. But somehow they get out, they just get out of jail. Like he was, he knew her. Mm-hmm. And she was the um, married to Trudeau's father, who was the prime minister. Mm-hmm. And she was just this young, smoking hot, like the Jackie Kennedy of, of Canada. Who comes with a get out of jail free card. She was all about the Rolling Stones. Went to their concert and like danced all night, and then had to be like taken out of the hotel. Like she would not leave their hotel rooms. Been there. But so when he comes <laughs> back, he gets bust. Keith Richards. They fly back in like two years later. Keith Richards gets busted with heroin, and then all of a sudden, is just out. He's out of jail. And the Stones are back on the road. And then he comes and plays some concert for deaf kids or something. Where I'm like, why would they want to hear the Rolling Stones? But they did some kind of concert for charity. Well, no, they can't hear the, the Rolling Stones. That's the, the Rolling that too. Stones. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's a vibe. Good, hey, just are give, good vibes. Right, and that's what Trudeau's mom said. She was like, yo, don't worry. It's just a vibe. But then It's a vibe. And then later on, somebody, either Keith Richards or Jagger, one of them was asked about her. And they were like, oh, she's a nasty one. I didn't get with her, though. Like, one of the stones said that. Right. But so, then Trump had to bring that up with Christian to be like, this guy said that she, you know, he didn't get with her, but she did all of them. 
Well, Ew, what we wrong and Trump people? and she's like, I'm a lady Ew, that it's like works we live here. In a patriarchy. It's nasty. Um, no, and you know you can't trust uh, Trump when he says that. You can trust reputable news sources. You can't like do that, the worst case that. scenario podcast when we say <laughs> it wasn't all of the Rolling Stones. It no. was like two tops. Yeah. Nobody's fucking it's watched. Nobody's business. It completely care is less not. If I tried. We don't. Nor even, is it that you know. Literally, we, when the door closes, I'm just not that interested in goes what's inside. And also, we don't even know the Rolling Stones bass player's name. I think it was Mick Jones. I've never known anyone's name in my life. I mean, did really, you know? I have to know Mick, you Mick Jagger before I remember. She's your name. like they so. say my name four different ways the Stones, at the beginning of this show, and I don't know why. The Stones are on the road right now. Okay, and their drummer Jeez. died. Let it go. Okay, and, Let they, were, it and they were fucking like, "Fucking go." Let it go. I am one go. with the wind and sky. I know all the words of that song. But I know you do. That's why Jagger, I sang it. Jagger apparently went to a bar in Charlotte last week. Oh yeah, he did the that? thirsty beaver. He got a beer, went out the front, thirsty and beaver. nobody had a fucking. Nobody knew. He just sat there by himself and drank a beer. And there's a bunch of photos of him just standing there. That his, his like his bodyguards took the photos. They were like. Nobody's bothering him. Look at this. And he's just standing there by himself, drinking a beer, sets it down and leaves. Are we supposed to know geriatric rock stars at this point? Like, come on, If man. I walk Yo, by a guy, I would, all, I would I've, say to myself, with that looks like Mick Jagger. I've known who they were, and then it took me a while, and then I figured well, it out. here's the thing. Four feet from him to the right cool. mm-hmm. are people that are sitting was there. The, was Paul McCartney. Drinking. And motherfucker was like, hell yeah. People with tickets to, to his show that was... In, in an hour like mm. they were on their way to his show and they're sitting at the bar four feet from him and didn't know he was right there I know my mom would shit her pants if she heard that shit my mom is, she loves yeah I mean Jagger. we know ladies how, of a certain age yeah. are like yeah damn that dude's hot and I'm like I think he's weird as fuck looking from like a dude looking at a dude perspective when I see him I'm like I don't get it ladies like at least Keith Richards he's fucked up looking too but at least he looks cool you know? I, I, I don't agree with any of those statements, but I will say this. Brian I've, Jones was cool. I've seen pictures of Keith Richards before uh, they, you know. Age? They, yeah, before age. And I was like, okay, he looks pretty cool. Um, before the heroin got to him. And also, though, like, and I'm not, that's not a, a judgment uh on him, I'm, I'm sure I've said it by this point. I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but like, uh, just to do heroin for that long yeah. and neither die, go broke, or do significant time in prison that's a career by itself. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, Keith Richards has been moonlighting for decades. Um, no, and what makes them cool is there's a whole wave of British people that mm-hmm. basically were like, Oh, there's black people in America play really cool music, let's steal it. You know, like there's a whole wave of that. Yes. They are the only, the only ones that were like, okay, let's find those guys and give them some money. Mm-hmm. And they actually like went to Mississippi and sought people out to be like, I want to learn from you. Here's some money. You want to open for us? We will pay you for the song we stole from you. You know, like where Zeppelin just straight up steal your song, and they had they had to get sued. And they still be like, we're not paying. And the Stones no, no, no. were like, here's the money, so man. What, if we're talking for well, ripping all the off, British guys that were blues. stealing the blues music from the black. You know, musicians from America. The blues musicians. Wait, I thought that's what you guys do, though. You like borrow each other's music and you play little samples. Yeah, but like, if you write it down with it, and then all of a you got to change it. Money, it's not cool anymore. But it's different know. if you change it. If you just play the same song, then you're just playing the same song. But if you like take it and put some new words on it, and you turn your hat sideways. Okay. And it's totally different. So you're trying to make Absolutely. that your thing. Yeah, but the Rolling Stones paid the people they ripped off. Zeppelin okay, but didn't. just tell me, as a famous hip hop artist mm-hmm. yourself. Do you feel that people should be able to sample things that are other people's music? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and use it, right? Yeah, now, now to a degree. I'd say if you just sample somebody's song in a perfect 4-4 loop and just sing over it, that's kind of a ripoff. I think you need to do something creative with the sample. Like, chop it up, play it a little faster, put some drums on it. Like, there's a, there's a thing besides just playing it and then manipulating it. So you should manipulating change it. it. You shouldn't just use a little sample because it's relevant to your song and makes it, like, enhanced by but that's a different. callback. Yeah, no, if you're only, yeah, a little bit, just putting it in there, that's one. Right. I'm talking about people that just steal the whole thing and don't add any of their own flavor to it. Okay. You know, like, And not, that's different, right? Yeah. But, but actually, I don't even care. I think it, if you just 
the only thing I'm against is you just put the song down without changing. Like, you just steal somebody's song and start selling it, and you didn't make that song, then fuck you. Okay, but, but what if, like, you just literally sample a piece of a song, and you put it on your song, and it's just to enhance the lyrics of what you're doing with a callback from other oh, people yeah, historically? It's great, but it's illegal. Is that cool? I mean... It wasn't illegal, though, until a certain point, right? Well, At until, some point, uh, you guys It had always to, was. Bismarcky. But no one got in trouble for it until someone sued. No, okay, no, no, so no, 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 no. It, was, it wasn't speech. illegal. It was still a copy. No, but the, the fact that the reason... They didn't make a new law. They took the old law and applied it to a new thing and said... That's someone else's copyrighted material. You can't sell it. Okay, but if you it. use a speech by someone, right? Which many, yeah. if it's public, a lot of them are public. Famous like you guys, hip hop guys do. A lot and of like chicks. say MLK. Everyone, ML, people, a lot of MLK humans, speeches are public whatever. domain. But and public domain's okay. But you're not going to pay George Bush for his speech when you use a portion of his speech. It's not copyrighted. No. You you cannot copyright um, now a, a, cer- a certain level of government figures. You can't like. If, okay, if okay. You are, so right. say it's Fair not a use. government person. Say Fair I just sample like an old ad from back in the day, like Calgon, take me uh, away. Right. I, I write this like fly hip hop song about right. pleasure. And then I'm like, Calgon, like, take like me Like getting away. the pleasure? Like getting the pleasure. Hey, if we had thirty grand Would right I be now. Would able to do that, right? That'd be fine? Or no? Calgon, I, take I me away. Artist- that trademark? Artistically, okay. yes. Are you no. To them it is a trademark infringement. So it's not okay. a copyright thing, but it's their trademark, and by you using it, people might think they gave you permission, and therefore they could say that that makes them look bad. So they could sue you for using their trademark. But right now, if we had $30,000, we could buy and own the best part of waking up is Folgers in your... That's for sale. Someone bought that from them and owns it and is now trying to sell it. Okay, but wait. $30,000? But wait. That's uh, not bad. Like, literally, the, your listenership doesn't even remember that. Exactly, but oh, wait. Everybody is, remembers is, that. Is the heart of your oh, question the best part of waking up? So, so children, in your cup. Like I know that's you because you're old as you fuck. remember it. Silvery, of course, because I'm old as fuck too. Is the heart of your question? Where's the beef? Like, what is okay legally, or what is considered okay creatively? I think artistically. Obviously, I understand that anything would be okay artistically and creatively. Right. I think that my understanding, as very minuscule as it may be, right. for the situation. I mean, I don't think anyone like, here when I was to be an young expert. and I was like a young kid and listening to like hip hop and whatever, mm-hmm. everybody was sampling anything, right? And it right. was so fucking cool. Absolutely. It was part of the creative process. So you were using songs or ads or speeches or whatever it was Sesame to enhance Street. what your mm-hmm. message was. Absolutely. And it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that that has changed and that now there are a lot of legalities around what you are and aren't allowed to Absolutely. incorporate into what you're doing. So that was just my question. Which Absolutely. Like, so but can you still do anything? Or? No. no. And well, no, you can, you can do whatever you can get away with. But, uh, but at the end of the day, um, the line of demarcation is what I was talking about earlier. So um, sampling was so new in the early 80s that legally first of all rap wasn't popular enough for anyone to get sued over it but then it comes to a point where it starts making money and then people that are being sampled start getting notified and the the two people get sued in specific it's well two acts get sued Bismarcky gets sued uh, for his second album um, and De La Soul gets sued for their first album. Uh, specifically, they get sued. De La Soul gets sued by the Turtles for "What Goes Up Must Come Down," and uh, Bismarcky gets sued by uh, Engelberg Humperdinck, I believe, for uh, "Alone Again." Naturally. Oh, is that a real uh, person? Yeah. Oh, wait, I um, thought that yeah. was just a joke. He he did his song "Alone Again," naturally, but uh, you know, Biz sampled it and and just he really kind of did a rap version of a cover but but it's you got to speak into the microphone gorilla um either speak in the microphone or don't speak at all you fucking gorilla this doesn't count as not speaking sir um anyway those those two acts get sued and that's where it's like boom uh sampling is now some shit you get sued for and the game has changed. In fact, Bismarcky gets sued for so much money that his third album is called All Samples Cleared. 
You know what I'm saying? So like that's that's how much of a night and day yeah. change it is. In fact, uh, you know, everyone loves the Beastie Boys album, uh, Paul's Boutique. But I mean I personally love every Beastie Boys album, but that's just me. Right, but the point about Paul's Boutique is that if if you what did I just say? Was Gorilla cleared. talking to the microphone they, or they don't? were all cleared. No, they weren't cleared at the time. At the time, they were not cleared because not only the, it's Paul's Boutique is basically the last album to to get over before the lawsuits happen. And Bismarck so and Dayla after the Dayla album, it did not. It did not. I had the Dayla many grades before I had the Paul's Boutique. I had Paul's whether, Boutique in my grade. Or not, and I had whether Dayla in middle school. It, whether or not, no, I got them new. I got them new. I'm talking. I got Paul's Boutique the day that shit came out, yo. I was like at the store in line. Paul's Boutique. I'm going to look him up. Not I mean, only this is Paul's I'm just Boutique. You, I just watched not, a documentary about it where the Beastie Boys, and in their new book, they go into what a pain in the ass it was to remember how many samples they had during the clearing process after, and how it took them years after to go the fact, before the. Later, they get called on the bullshit. But for them to make Paul's Boutique at the time that they made it, there was no way. And also, there was no one tracking down those samples. The The way that Bismarcky gets caught for Alone Again, well, obviously because it's super obvious, but apparently Engelberg, Humberdink's like daughter or stepdaughter, someone, niece, someone he's related to is a Bismarcky fan. And she basically is listening to it. And he's like, what the fuck are you listening to? This is my song. And that's how it gets, you know, notified. samples. Beastie Boys had 105 samples. Easily. I thought it'd be more, honestly. I th- I honestly listened to an interview with them where they were like, it's it's hard to guesstimate. And they uh, estimated it was like over 300. But it's like the Dust Brothers are actually the ones who did all the sampling on that album. But the point is, is that they sampled, ironically, how this conversation starts, they were sampling fucking Zeppelin, the Beatles, all this shit that you could never fucking pay for all those samples. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's... So would it be a fair or not fair Mm -hmm. parallel? Mm -hmm. Like, when DMT was like coming into the world, Mm -hmm. if you were arrested with it, it was not yet... A scheduled thing right so people were using it and then at some point it became scheduled and then all of a sudden you had to like have a whole different approach that, to it right yeah. like that's a fair, yeah i think that's a fair comparison like there's something that's just widespread people are using it they're enjoying it well, it's, it's fun it's part of the creative process and then all of a sudden the government comes in and makes a determination well it's not necessarily everything. the government it's really well, if it's a law it's the government too Fair. Three feet high and rising uh-huh. is not on streaming services. <laughs> just like basically it's the whole thing about how you just can't get it because right, it but it's never cleared. It was just like no, you can't have those. But the, I, but um, I'm pretty sure six, it's because it came Tommy out Boy. six months before um Paul's before Boutique. Paul's Boutique. Yeah, it's just funny. I just, like I have memories of the Daylight album and, and a summer and a pool in particular yeah. where I listened to that thing the entire time. But I guess it must have been right before yeah. my ninth my freshman year because mm-hmm. they were it was that summer. I mean, yeah. it came out that March. It was that summer. Yeah, I think I was like 11 years old. 89. I came out. Um, it just, they don't seem like, they seem like different eras in hip-hop to me, don't they, don't they do? Like, Paul's Boutique just seems like so after the fact. Because, like, it had they, taken so long from License to Ilt for another one. Right. Like, I mean, really, like, my, I, they my don't, life was Right, they don't the time, to me, so. but also I am not a fair comparison to that because, as I've stated on the show a lot, it's, it's not that I have ever hated on the Beastie Boys, but... When License the Ill came out, like I just from, I, I from a very like young age, I, I didn't. It just sounded like rock and roll to me. And later, I really honestly didn't. And this is gonna sound stupid and fucked up, and kind of it is, but I have my perspective. Uh, like I really didn't give License the Ill an honest, like critical listen until literally the year 2001 and when i heard it as like an adult and understood what i was listening to i was like wow this shit is fucking phenomenal you know what i mean but callbacks to like before the golden age of hip-hop yeah like the whole album is pure or pure hip-hop i mean it's you know it is but it's the history of the scene too but it's also that rick rubin thing of bringing rock into it and like yeah. to me like like what i heard was like fight for your right to party i'm like 
yeah like hard guitars and shit were just not even at that age like i was like 10 years old and i yeah, got i was in fourth grade right and this is not me like stating my bona fides or like anything but like, ugh, like but like just i was at that age i was already in the shit like Big Daddy Kane, I thought Slick it was Rick, dumb. I thought Dougie it was Fresh. dumb stuff for kids. I thought and, it was awesome. And it also was like, Fight for Your Right was played on like pop stations, like where I grew up, like Z100, MTV. WPLJ, MTV. And like, I was getting the music that I was trying to listen to, like they would only play it at on like Kiss FM, on like DJ, Cool DJ Red Alert. Uh, like for an hour or two on a Friday or Saturday night. You know what I mean? So like it wasn't that I even knew that what I was doing was cutty or that I was like ahead of my, nothing like that. It was just like that. I didn't like rock and roll shit growing up. And that sounded like rock and roll shit to me. I thought it sounded so cool. I was in fourth grade in Catholic school. And like I went to a dance in fourth grade and I remember they played it and I just thought it was like, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> no, and and in two thousand and one, I I well, I'm two thousand and one. Um, right, I was but like fucking. I'm twenty six at that point, and uh, I just had a homegirl that would drive me everywhere, and she had the broken tape cassette that, like, you know, you couldn't eject whatever was in there, and what was in there was licensed to ill. And hearing that at twenty six, and at that point, I had been a touring musician, I understood music production, da, 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 everything that you know, I understood to that point. And was like, oh wow! Like when I heard like rhyming and stealing, I was like, oh my god! And when I heard like how purposefully, in particular, MCA, when I heard how just purposely petty he was, like my favorite line on that whole fucking album is, "I'll steal your girl like I stole your bike,", bike. <laughs> and I was like, yo, you're a grown man. You bragging about stealing bicycles? Like that's that is so purposely juvenile and petty that that like it it just it warmed my heart almost. You know what I mean? Like it just it's humorous. It's fucking it's funny to me. Like and uh later when you hear the beasties interviewed and talk about like making that album, like, yeah, it was supposed to be parody. Like we were making fun of these douchebags that act this way, yeah, no, that's what, and then they were and like, then all of a sudden, that was our crowd, and every concert we went to had ten thousand of them standing there staring at us, and we yeah. were like, we got to get the fuck out of this. And that, and yeah, and he so said, that brings moved us to back LA to and took tons of drugs. Paul's boutique, and well, they were already on well, tons of drugs, yeah, but like, then they quit drugs and alcohol like super early, like way yeah. earlier than people think. Yeah, they were fucking over that shit. But and acid, they continued to, you know, do like acid that were was that phase. Like Paul's boutique was acid. Well, acid and dust. Yeah, but they did a lot of acid, like that, you know. But acid is different, you know. If you're taking acid, you're not really. Oh a, no, dust a drinking is, druggy. You know, it's a different dust is. Thing. Acid's evil cousin. The one time I've only smoked dust one time, and obviously we know I've eaten acid copious amounts of times. Um, and I smoked a lot of dust. I, I, I'm well aware you're from the DC area. You, you like that love boat, but uh, my like even though I did enjoy my one uh, dust high, even while I was enjoying it, I was like, uh, like I had already eaten enough acid to be like. Oh, this is like like Venom is to Spider-Man. Like, that's kind of how it felt to me. I was like, oh, no, I'm enjoying it. But yeah, no, this is bad. This is uh, this is not, <laughs> you know what I mean? The crazy thing to think about with these albums like and history and pop culture is, okay, that was the Beastie Boys record where they had moved to Capitol. So mm -hmm. they're on pretty much one of the main, the largest they're labels label, in yeah. the world. And then that, that Tommy Boy mm -hmm. was a small British label that predominantly made like... No, it's a New York label. Tommy Boy is a New York label. Tommy Boy is a British label that started. There, there are two English guys that, that it was during the whole wave of the um, indies. Tommy, bunch of them, but Tommy Boy is a big one. They also they, they did they did some others too. But there's like Jive, Tommy Boy. There's like four that I just recently discovered were British from a British documentary about their the indie the indie scene. I'm gonna bet you five dollars on it. American independent record label. Yes, now Tom, no Tom Silverman, correct? Founded in 1981 by Tom Silverman. Yes, in New York City. Oh. The Correct. label is credited with helping and launching the music careers of Queen Latifah. The RZA. Well, their their sample case was Digital in Underground, Coolio, mm -hmm. 
De La Soul, House of Pain, Naughty by Nature. Yep. But the idea that they don't have money. Thank you. Good thing for you, you didn't shake no. on that bet. But they got sued in, in England. <laughs> well, they can get sued wherever they want. No, but it's matter. like the same time of like where you, whenever you bought fucking Paul's Boutique doesn't mean that's when it came out. But the idea that they couldn't fight it. You know, Tommy Boy, when it came up to them. The lawsuits. Whereas Capital could have been like, oh, you want to fight with us? You know, like Capital could have been like, oh, wait, we own half of these samples. Right. Fucking let's, why are we going to, you know, like they're not going to sue themselves. But the idea of that. Capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! I always thought Columbia. I always thought Columbia Records was weird because I was like Columbia. Like, what are y'all selling cocaine and then like passing off his records? Because I don't believe Britney Spears sold all those records. I think y'all selling blow. Uh, you don't. I'm adoring Britney Spears I'm right kidding. now. Oh yeah, so these these Britney docs. I don't know if we yeah. can even go into it. Adoring um, her, everyone. But wait, what did the, what did the Tommy Boy thing have to do with? Just that they're a smaller label. The fact that, like... Oh, right, they, you're saying they couldn't fight the De La Soul Like, Beastie Boys, they lost their ass on that record. Like, De La's record probably sold more than Paul's Boutique. I don't know. I'm just at guessing. The t- at, the time, at the time, I believe that's true. Paul's Boutique didn't sell. It, it was did, it's no, it famously only, known to have lost money. But then the next record, Beastie Boys, Check Your Head, was, like, the god of albums. and Right, but the funny thing so about it that is one. that in retrospect, and this is, you know, this happens with a lot of art, is that, like, at the time... Uh, my understanding is that monetarily, Paul's Boutique is a total flop because no one understood it. They didn't get it. Because not only did they do all these, you know, take all these samples and do it in this way, but it was so fucking ahead of its time uh, as far as sampling goes and the way that they interweave shit. Yeah, that like, different. Like, like, it wasn't just the, the, the pop format. Right. They only, they only had one or two songs that could even fit that. Hey, Ladies was the only thing they could do. It will, no, but like, not only that, it, it, was, it was like they were interweaving samples in a way that uh, the only thing comparatively is like the Bomb Squad, yeah. like the production crew of Public Enemy, you know, was doing sampling well, high, high and then inter, interweaving all of this shit in a way that people didn't comprehend it. And yeah. that's why it was a flop. But then later, years and years later, probably more than 10 years later, people looked back and was like, holy shit. When shit caught, when the culture yeah. caught up to how you could do shit, people, you know, don't, it's almost like the pyramids were like, how did they even build that back then? Well, and check your head was so big that people went back and started buying Paul's Boutique again. Yeah. And, but, but like understanding how intricate and what they did was yeah you know what i mean um but at the time yes fucking uh three feet high and rising that first daylight album is was enormous it was enormous pm dawn got a record deal because of it because they seemed like they they, they thought they could they would they're like he kind of looks like that guy yeah that one's bigger than other guys and he has dreadlocks sign him i hope everybody like stuck with the bcs though through the you know, like the Hello Nasty and the anthology and like. They kind of did. It's, you know, weirdly like the, I think everyone that got into it on Check Your Head kind of st- loved them for the rest of their lives for the most part. And Check Your Head was weirdly like, it was pretty much like, almost like fucking smells like teen spirit of like perfectly timed for what the youth of the country were doing. Like even the cover of Check Your Head, what they're wearing down to like knit hats and flannels. Like they, it. You know, oh, it's yeah, like they yeah, perfectly no. landed on on the world like when when it was due. You know, like people saw it, heard it, were like, "This is the perfect music for right now." I'm kind of into rock and rap. It's kind of happening. When you could even, it had such an effect on culture that you could like look at certain white people and like what you said, like how they dressed. You're like, "Oh yeah, that person is like into us." They're into the beasties and they're kind of a lightweight skater and they like you could kind of like you well, could like, peg them. Metalheads but... were getting into Cypress Hill. There was this weird like the yeah. genres were starting to fluidly blend during that era of MTV. Yeah. I guess I don't know whatever. Which is partly due to to the skating culture yeah. for sure. And I think that like during the period of time that we weren't here when they were like fusing Eastern mysticism with the music that we were, that people were listening to before we were born it right. was something right it, it happened and it mattered and then it felt historical and then the Beastie Boys like sort of brought it back in a, sorry the I Beastie Boys you. brought it back Still in a way that was like the Bodhisattva's vow right like a song that is written for people to 
understand these concepts of like Eastern mysticism brought back to like popular music was something that really hadn't happened for that period of time. Yeah, right? and like, since the 60s, really. Right, you know? since the 60s, you know? And yep. they sort of brought that back in a way that, to me, felt really astounding. Like, I would listen to them and be like, I don't know where they evolved. I wasn't following their whole personal fucking journeys or whatever the hell they were doing. But to me, when they brought that back, I was like, you're the first people incorporating this idea. Yeah. Well, and ironically, uh, apparently... Like I said, I, I really didn't follow the BCs till much later. Um, but listening to interviews with Ad Rock and Mike D, uh, they said that that whole shift that you're talking about with like when you know when they were doing all the Tibet concerts and uh, bringing all that Eastern mysticism shit back into it, it's ironically it's MCA. Yeah, MCA who, and Acid. Who does that? And and like I said, like what got me into him listening to, and not that I disliked Ad Rock or uh, Mike D, but like just the like purposeful headlong charge of like this tongue-in-cheek ignorance of shit. Like I'm a steal your girl, like I stole your bike. The purposeful childishness of it. Like, that's the dude that, for whatever reason, LSD or whatever else he was doing, books he was reading, he's the one who, like, really led that charge. Like, I think that we all understand how those things coincide, but everything that I've read, that is actually not what they were on at that point. Like, they had sort of... But it wasn't a they so much. Like, he would go MCA, like, as Paul's Boutique happened. Like ton, they moved to, to LA and he bought like an, a ton of acid and just starts taking it. Okay, and then so he starts slowly being like everything we're doing is stupid, and eventually starts flying by himself to Utah and just taking tons of acid and snowboarding. And so for like a good like six that's months, that's all he gave a fuck about was like getting high and flying down mountains. But stops taking drugs, comes home and makes a video smashing all his guns with a sledgehammer. Where like oh, he just yeah, puts it out. Right, he's like, he's here's super me. Into guns I'm too. against guns now, and he makes part. a video of destroying all of his own guns. <laughs> yeah, this isn't one of one of the videos has him smashing yeah. a bunch of pistols. But there was always fucking... remember like in the ni- mid '90s there was this weird I don't want to say pop Buddhism that happened, but it was like with the free Tibet movement. Yeah, but there like was also Richard like Gere Richard Gere and, and like, Phil yeah. Jackson and random famous people that were bringing Getting it back up into it, and yeah. which kind of turned into the the TM movement of today where they're like we're not Buddhists we're just into meditating now yeah, which sure, is weird but too but still fine meditate people should fucking clear their brains as much as possible absolutely you know? but like the concept that you know like psychedelics are the window right mm-hmm. like you can look through it but it's not a door like you can't walk through it mm-hmm. and the Beastie Boys had already sort of put that shit down they had looked through the window and they yeah. wanted to figure out how to walk through the door mm-hmm. and then once they had really cleared themselves of like any substance use not that it wasn't a tool that they used at some point but as they got older then they create this thing where they're trying to figure out how to walk through the door instead of just look through mm-hmm. the window and they're saying like okay here's this concept and sure like i'm sure a lot of kids listen to it and are like all right that's weird or whatever but for me at that age as like a very young person who was sort of fascinated with it i mean it made me be like what's a bodhisattva vow what does this mean what does this mean and the more that i read about them like they weren't using psychedelics at that point they were like okay we're trying to use the real thing to like ground this into our existence and like perpetuate some idea to the people right that like there is some other thing that's happening here and i just thought it was pretty fucking cool i don't know for me as a kid i thought that was really badass i think it's weird how much acid that killer mike and lp say they eat with very little mysticism ever working it's killer mike and lp talking about eating acid currently on every album they pretty much mention eating tabs at some point and you never i mean they talk about lots of different drugs yeah no i know and and eating mushrooms often too right you, you never hear any mysticism unless it's like tongue in cheek and real quick, right? But I you know. But uh, I've got a unicorn horn for a cock. Yeah, no, that's no, and it goes. I've got a unicorn for. I've got a unicorn corp for. A, stop. stop. Like a chick comes in and says, "Stop." And apparently, that's actually LP's wife that goes, "Stop." <laughs> but um, but I actually take that the opposite because um, and you correct you know correct me if I'm wrong here. Like I find the 
I, I hate to use it. Like, the, the spiritualism, whatever. I hate to use that term. But, like, I find that in their tongue-in-cheek shit, their actual, like, very down-earth... Like, the, it's like the... Op, whatever the opposite of cynicism would be, that's what I hear in Run the Jewels. Like delivery of but shit. But I also hear as when Killer Mike says, I did a tablet of acid today. Yeah. I don't think he did. I think he's just writing a rap song. He has done tablets of acid in the past. You know? Right, but I, I the, but the, I also think that's a completely legitimate way to write from. Oh yeah, 100%. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way dissing it. I'm just saying I any, don't think any, they're tripping as much as they might say they are. Anything that anymore. I have uh, spent a significant amount of time doing, whether we're talking about doing drugs or jobs I've worked or anything that I've spent a significant amount of time doing I feel completely yeah. you own justified now. in writing about that in, uh, from an artistic perspective like writing about that um, whether it's in a first person right now perspective or any perspective like if I have experience in that for a certain amount of time not saying like oh if I eat acid once I could just act like that but whatever it is if I've spent a significant time doing anything it doesn't matter that I don't wash dishes anymore I I was a fucking broke dish dog for many years Mm -hmm. and I haven't been for a long time I haven't been arrested for a long time and I I don't I don't write about that anymore because I hope to never be arrested again for the rest of my life. But, you know, but I've been through certain things that, like, yeah, I'll speak in first person in real time about that oh, shit. Yeah. I do all the time. I don't do anything anymore, so I would have nothing to write rap songs about. Be like, I'm back on the couch, yo. Back in my house, yo. Well, I That's am. That's all I got, yo. I just fed my kid breakfast. Boom. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I am, uh, as you guys know, I'm creating a whole new genre called Electro Lust, which is about being old and relaxing hard as fuck. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah. I think that's a legitimate thing to write about, too. I only rap about pooping now. Every single song. Well. And I think you could actually do that. You could be like MC poop i don't know well bringing it back to uh the genesis of this conversation uh biz marquee has a song called toilet stool rap where he fucking actually just talks about like a long shit he took and he also has a song called picking boogers yeah uh where he's just literally just talking about picking boogers you know what i mean it was a new genre so no it was wide open I mean, I don't know. I'm going to. I mean, you can stick with the Beastie Boys. That's fine. I'm but, just kidding. But also, that being said, uh, the Beastie Boys credit Biz Marquee with uh, connecting them to a lot of shit as well. So. Everyone, uh, how I dare you joke it. on the worst case scenario? What? That's not what the worst you are here for. You, you think they're here to hate for irreverence? Well, I got some news that I found pretty funny. Oh, we're going back to news. Okay. Well, we're we were talking about drugs, either. and this comes back to drugs. Okay. But, okay, we all know about how it's Sustained. hard. Restaurants can't get anybody to work at them right now. Nobody wants to go back to work at shitty places. Supposedly. So this guy pulls up in a McDonald's a couple days, like a week and a half ago. So there's a viral TikTok of this, and it's been passed around a bunch. And he's all like, hey, I'd like to make an order. And the guy says, um, sorry, we, we're not doing orders right now. You got to come back in a little while. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's McDonald's. You're open. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm new. And the other employee here is new, and our manager is high on drugs. And so um, we don't know how to do any of this stuff. He's just, he's really out of it right now. I'm like, you probably shouldn't be saying that. And you didn't have to say that into the fucking Definitely um, did not have to say that. And the, and the GM will be here in about a half hour. Just get stitches. And the guy's like, um, you want you take my order then, and I can wait? He's like, it's going to be about a half hour until the GM gets here. <laughs> so basically, there's two guys, the only people at the McDonald's, there's two employees and a manager that's high out of his face on some kind of unreported drug and I said the, the main thing is the TikTok video just of the guy filming oh my manager is high on drugs I, I don't know what to do <laughs> and that's did the guy wait no okay. no they said I, I, I hoped not no. for his sake like my only hope was like I assume he left I was like number one even if you can only eat McDonald's do you really want McDonald's made by the trainee and the drug guy if I was really going to go to McDonald's which I mean, clearly I've done it in my life, but I I make every effort not to do that. Yeah. I would sort of assume that 50% of the employees are on drugs. I don't know. Yeah. Like, not to, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm high on drugs every single day when I go to work, but I understand how someone could be. 
Because, but it depends on the drugs too. My drugs are very mild. I don't well, know what this McDonald's guy's doing. He could be fucking coming in all fucking yayed up. He could be rolling his face off, put, dipping his balls in the fucking shakes. This is exactly what I teach the people that I know that are very young, like my children. Is that the word drugs is just so? Bizarre. Yeah, it I is. I mean, literally, like you can't say someone's on drugs. Like there are so many nuances. Oh, and there's so many times like I, where I use medicine. This, I'm like, all right, well, if he's on this, this, or this, it's cool. If he's on this, this, or this, it ain't cool. Well, like my kid you know? wanted like, wanted iced tea with her dinner a couple days ago, and I had to sit there and explain to her that there are chemicals in the iced tea, you know, that'll make you wake back up. And I'm trying to take you in the other direction right now. And like, I don't, you know, how do you explain that? Of like, well, there's a medicine in the tea, and it will affect your body. But speaking of keeping with the drug motive, you guys hear about the man trying to sell his catalytic converter online? Catalytic converter. Catalytic converter with a big-ass bag of meth on the table behind it. Oh, He was in the Facebook marketplace, and he had a catalytic converter with a huge bag of meth on the table next to a syringe. And he put it on face. So he must have been, he must have used it and then, you know, been so high that he didn't recognize. Because I've taken mm-hmm. pictures of instruments that I'm selling, like a synth or a whatever piece of musical equipment, a pedal. That is what and the French s- call Mason. And, and every scent. now and then, I won't even like let a lighter be in the picture. Like, I'm not going to like leave my we- like weed behind it and then take a picture and put it on reverb. And like, hey, you want to buy how this? How do we know that that's what that is? Like, it's just a photo of a bag of stuff. Yeah, so a bag of white powder. But because the, the police, um, someone saw it on Facebook, called the, poli- the police. The police went there and arrested him, and he had a handgun, a huge bag of meth, and syringes. But he had money and guns around the house. But basically, if you have a bag of white stuff next to a sh- syringe, you probably shouldn't put that on Facebook. No, absolutely. I was just genuinely curious I can't how Im- they figured out what it was, but I guess... Now, I'm guessing they would have had to, like... Because if I put a picture on Facebook, my address ain't on there. Yeah. I guess some people put their address on Facebook, but that's some, I can't imagine that. So like, well, if address? you're trying to sell something, then obviously there has to be an address to where they would go. Yeah, get but that's it. the or thing. Contact, but yeah. that's the thing is, you do that when they say when they say, "Hey, can I buy that?" You know, then you're like, hey, "Let's." Then then you do that part. Like say with eBay, whatever. You know, here send it to here. You know, like here send the money here. But maybe it was like that a very before. advanced snitch that like went through the whole process <laughs> to pretend like they were going to buy it, got the address and then called the cops. Like the anonymous yeah. hacker. Oh, I think the cops of that. my thought was the cops were like there's no way. Hold on, let me look. Oh my god, it's still for sale. Fucking hit it up. Hit it up. Let's go buy it. Oh, you know? and they just like pretended. To and they were like, "Can we get your address? We'll be right over." Oh god. If you want to call that undercover, but yeah, I feel like it's a it was a sting operation at the very least, right? That's just, I, just the, I just, just the idea of that of like, put posting your, your drugs. Like they didn't even look. Like, looking at the photo once he took it, just to make sure that it was clear, a good picture of the catalytic catalytic converter box. You think that he he didn't check. He didn't like put it when he put it on Facebook and uploaded. He didn't look again and be like, oh shit, that's a big ass bag of meth I left. That's a big bag of meth. That's not. I know what meth is. Meth. You don't need much meth. That's right. a lot of meth. That's like a neighborhood's worth of meth. But again, that's like why. I'm just gonna do a PSA. Like mm-hmm. meth is gross. Like I'm sorry if people. You're just gonna gross. take the unpopular Please stance. Do not. You're gonna go out on a limb like that. You don't want. To. Uh, well, no. I'm also, sorry. that's it's why disgusting. like fentanyl's taken over. People the on meth are really gross. easy to like, spot. This isn't even. That's what yeah. I mean by the word drugs. But like, they move we can't fast. Even put the like. I can't believe that we still put these things in the same place. Yeah, that weed is actually in a worse category than than meth, I believe. Yeah, Ske- yeah schedule one. So um, fucking horrifying. And there's no good use for meth except to power Nazis. But no, if you, if you want to do a PSA, here here is something that I have been um, really kind of like working on as a languager. Is that what I find distasteful, and I've talked about this on the show before, but just like the way as you're talking about fentanyl cuts like fentanyl is being cut into drugs that people did not ask for and uh it's being like people like oh eod like he did some coke or he did some molly and it had a fentanyl cut in it and like i'm not saying that doesn't suck or it's not bad but when you use the term overdose it makes people think like, oh, that person had been doing so much oxys or so much heroin or so much of the drug that they thought or that they intended to do that like it comes with the assumption of like that person was an addict, not just like a regular like when you yeah. start cutting other drugs and also don't put fentanyl in fucking anything, not even heroin. heroin if heroin is not strong enough 
fuck you. Uh, but um, but this idea that like people can be told what they're buying is ecstasy or coke or what the fuck ever that is not an opioid. And I'm not judging people that do opioids because it's fucked up when that happens too. But it's a whole different context when you think that you just bought some MDMA and then you do it and it's like, oh no, it turns out there's fentanyl on that. And it's like, I just don't think, I just think there should be a new term introduced to the culture for that because it's essentially the idea of being bunked as we used to talk about it in in the 90s yeah. but that meant like oh i thought i bought some acid from this dude and it was construction paper so now i'm just not high if somebody it didn't puts, mean if somebody puts poison in your beer right you didn't kill yourself no one says that he od'd on that beer you know what i mean so i'm just like trying to come up with a new term for the culture um that does not insinuate the other baggage that, and I, and I don't think that like uh, heroin addicts or whatever people are addicted to should be vilified, especially because you know my stance on how that shit at this rate comes down from big pharma in the first place. You know what I mean? Like the the rate of opioid and heroin addiction comes straight from the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA and the government people that approved it, but. It's just a different story when you get sold something that you think is one substance and it's actually something else and it kills you. I'm going to take you one further. Okay. And if I have discussed this do. on the show, you guys, please stop me. because I, I will not I because it must bear reiterating. But a specific case that I knew about was a woman that gave birth to her child. Mm -hmm. And when she gave birth to her child, she contacted me and she was like, Child Protective Services is here and they said that I did something when I was pregnant and you know that I didn't. I don't mm -hmm. smoke weed. I don't do anything at all. Mm -hmm. But they're here and she had grown up in foster care, right? So she mm -hmm. was fucking traumatized and terrified that these people are coming to take her baby and she's like, I didn't do anything and they're saying that my baby tested positive. Mm -hmm. She told me on the phone as I'm driving to her house, they said that my baby tested positive for meth and fentanyl. When I get to the house... I'm like, okay, maybe they did. I don't know. Like, plenty of women I work with could be using things that I don't realize. Right. I had no idea, and I had seen that she actually had had UDSs during her pregnancy, urinary drug screens. When I get there, the investigator is there and says to me, she, uh, her baby tested positive for fentanyl. I said, well, she said meth, and she was like, oh, no. She asked me what fentanyl was, and I told her that it was like meth. I was like, well, <laughs> it's you understand? It's the exact opposite. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you understand on the spectrum of this word, quote-unquote, drugs, meth and fentanyl are on literal opposite ends of a spectrum, right? One is this, one is this, one's... Right, it's like the difference between like a communist and a fascist. It's yeah. Well, one's clearly illegal and a stimulant, right. and one's partially legal and used in the medical system and is an opiate right, right. so i was like I'm once the here. ultimate downer and another so is the like, ultimate upper what did the baby test positive for the baby tested positive for fentanyl only right i said how many people do you know use fentanyl recreationally and no other drug the baby only tested positive for fentanyl right it's not a fentanyl said, cut it's just she said yeah the baby right. only tested positive for fentanyl right i said did you give her, an, or did the hospital, I'm sorry, right. this was a CPS investigator. Did the hospital give her an epidural with fentanyl in it? She said, I don't know. Calls the hospital and says, did you give her an epidural with fentanyl in it? Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. We and it's the hospital that reported her, it, right? The epidural, and then the hospital reports her. For having a baby that tested positive yeah. for fentanyl? For the drug that they gave her. So I researched this shit. One in three babies where you have an epidural with fentanyl in it mm. will test positive for fentanyl when they're born. Do epidurals usually have fentanyl? I mean, I don't know what's in an epidural. I know it's hardcore. Yeah, you know? so it's an option. So you don't have to have an epidural with fentanyl yeah. in it. And I am not a doctor, and I can't speak to why yeah. they choose in some circumstances to have one with fentanyl and one without it. Extreme I'm pain, sure nice. Yeah, like, I think I'm sure of, there's but, a million yeah. reasons for that. I remember there being a choice, but I don't remember the details. How could you possibly 
then report this woman yeah. as a medical establishment and say that her baby tested positive for something that you gave her. Yeah. You, you think they'd at least check. You think that people in that department would know that that happens more than, you know? A, the person that reported it. B, all the people in the hospital that administered it and allowed for that to be a mm. report. C, the person that took the report and didn't think to ask the yeah. fucking question because you have so little understanding of how this whole thing works. Yeah. And then even anyone to look at it that, like I did, where I was like, I don't know a lot of people <laughs> use like, I don't recreational know. I don't know. Off the top, I'm just going to get to the bottom of this. I know people that use all kinds of drugs. That's why you're good at your job. And I would not question for a second that any drug that she may or may not have used could have had fentanyl in it. But I don't know anyone that just recreational. Right, it would have fentanyl alone. Right, your common sense told you, Michael that Jackson. It has to, and yeah. but he also had the money to have it. He had he had a guy. He had a doctor that was and he also IVing him this fucking also Pepsi you know, Cola burnt him up. I don't, I don't know. Nothing else. There's just I don't know what I else he was taking, but that's that's, that's no, a different situation. Seven up. That's honest. Mm-hmm. We don't remember Pepsi Cola burnt him up. Now he's drinking 7-Up. It would have tested positive for fentanyl and 7-Up. Now, the thing about... No. You think about no. pre-fentanyl... Or, what is this, a comedy or, show? Or pre-fentanyl mixed in with heroin. Maybe not just now. You know, like, so many celebrities... Ray Charles did heroin his whole fucking life. Yeah. So many, like, rich... So if they had the money mm-hmm. and they and the understanding that they've been doing it long enough, you know... They could act. People could take heroin and live. There are these functional addicts, addicts, but only the ones that are, you know, Rich the enough, combination yeah. of like a body that chemically will not be so addicted they can still control it, a mind that can take it, and the money to uh, deal with it, yeah. and the connections to get uh, good stuff. But like, right? Okay, I think the second two are the way more salient but, points. But that's all of a sudden, you know, like right first you hear fentanyl start making this peak up. They're making fentanyl in Mexico now. Celebrities right after that, boom, 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 boom. like Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, like so many of them. Just now, mm-hmm. Michael Washington, fucking Omar. Is that his name? Uh, Michael no, that's not. He had at fentanyl. All. Michael K. Williams. He had, but he, what Williams? Well, he had fentanyl mixed into <laughs> his drugs that he was he overdosed right, on. Like a lot of people, I think, would have rather had pure heroin, but the heroin they bought because they needed heroin had fentanyl in it. And since then, celebrities keep dying in more, way more than they did. A, decade you know like back in the 90s heroin made a fucking comeback we're talking about grunge heroin got pumped all over the town that we live in yeah and that too i'm saying like people weren't they weren't dying as much back in the 90s but heroin was fucking everywhere for a good like four or five years yeah for sure but i mean fentanyl doesn't come into play until like the last five or ten years it really is a prevalent thing it has existed for a long time in a medical capacity but the cartels (sighs) didn't know how to make it and now they have car fentanyl. You guys know what car fentanyl is? So uh, yeah, it's it, it's for uh, trucks and other like when you when your vehicle becomes hooked on heroin, when you give it car fentanyl. I thought it would slow it down, like a governor. No, I'm just kidding. Nah, I mean, it's it's elephant tranquilizer. It's like if you look at a vial of the amount of heroin that would kill a person, and then you look at a vial of the amount of fentanyl that would kill a person, which is much smaller. It's like a grain. Look at the vi- it's a grain. Yeah, it's, it's like a like grain of salt. tiny yeah. grain. It's called carfentanil. I mean, I don't know much about it. I don't know if... In fairness, it sounds like it's for vehicles. Basically, when the Italians were bringing I'm in the heroin, it was a much better heroin. <laughs> Let's not credit. No, I'm just kidding. With the cartels, you just can't trust them. You just can't trust the cartels <laughs> to get a pure product. You know? You know, which is why we should legalize drugs in America and sell them at stores. Um, I mean, in fairness, uh, it's actually, you know, the FDA and all those motherfuckers that allowed the opioids to be on the market the way they are. So I, I don't know that. Look, I, I'm not about sending anyone to prison over drugs, but I don't know that legalizing it uh, is really helping because there's a lot of fucking legal shit that's fucking us up. Um, are we ending on a down note? Does anybody have anything Corey funny to say? Lewandowski. All right. His name is Corey Lewandowski. He was Trump's campaign manager. He apparently came across him in New Hampshire, and since he won the New Hampshire primary there early, he was like, this guy's a winner. Let me bring him on. Okay. Had him on. At some Trump rally, Corey Lewandowski grabbed a female reporter and just jerked the shit out of her, like almost knocked her down, yeah, no, and then said he didn't do it. He in told everybody. Way, he kept yeah. saying, no, I didn't do that. She's a liar. But the left, on, the left-wing press lies. Then the video came out, and he was like, oops, uh, I guess I was lying. And so he got fired, went to mm-hmm. work at CNN. Remember that. After that, 
he now is running the Trump CPAC. He controls billions of dollars to go currently, to different. You're re- saying. Yeah, well, currently until this week, he controls billions of dollars. He was in Vegas at a big Republican thing. They were all giving money to to people to for him to give out to people. And someone named Odom Trashell. Her name is Trash. E L L E. Her name no. is Trashell. Trashell. Trash- not Trashell. It's Trashell. She's married to a billionaire. They live in Vegas and own casinos, and they give out Republicans money. He couldn't keep his hands off of her. In public, he kept grabbing wait, this poor Lewin woman. Da- Lewin da- wait, Corey Lewandowski. Wait, you said she's a billionaire. She's a billionaire. Corey Lewandowski was there to beg her for money. And she just kept she kept getting grabbed. She's a billionaire. Her husband's a billionaire. Corey Lewandowski, who was there to beg billionaires, instead of asking her for money, kept trying to touch her butt. As in, like, Grab groping? her legs, grope her, say horribly sexual things. At some point, he threw a drink at her. Uh, he he threw a drink at her on some kind of, like... He thought he could diss her. She was getting more and more pissed and getting friends to stand around her who he was pushing through to get to her to do it again. And this is like an all-night-long thing at three different places. She writes a police report. She doesn't go home that night because her hotel is next to his, so she doesn't even go back. She instead goes to another hotel and writes a police report out, puts that out. That comes out the next day. He's in charge of all of Trump's money right now, the main super PACs. So within two days, Trump fires him. He doesn't have a job. He's, he's out of that stuff. Again? She puts out a, another police report. Because Trump and then, doesn't stand for that behavior. No. But then the next day... Won't you know? Kristen he Noem, stand for baloney. who is the governor of, I think, South Dakota, who is saying she was going to put Trump on Mount Rushmore, she um, puts a tweet out while this is all going on that says, I don't... And this is the first mention of this publicly. These rumors are, are, are wrong. Corey loves his wife, and I love my husband. Whoever's saying this stuff is disgusting <laughs> and has no idea what they're talking about. We are God-fearing people that love God. And so she denies having an affair with this guy before anyone even accused her of it. And now that's somehow coming up and creeping into it that he's been in South Dakota doing all kinds of advising. I'm doing finger quotes around advising for her (laughs) campaign. But she just distanced herself and took him off of the payroll or whatever for her campaign because she was in part. He was somehow connected, but she pushed that away. And now so this guy has just been in charge of Trump's money and he's just been slinging dick all around Republican world and sometimes getting some. But then he hit one that fought back. And it's insane that somebody, even if he's in a position of power that he thinks he has power, you don't, and you're throwing at a billionaire's wife and she's telling you to stop and you keep fucking going. I mean, or any woman, regardless of who she's married to or how much money she has. But, I, but I'm saying even a scumbag. You, but you think even a scumbag would know that there's a point that would get him in trouble, you know? And I guess this guy, and this guy's already gotten in trouble in the past, which means he should know. Wait, was I this? mean, we literally had a president that was like grabbing by the pussy. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want to do. Like, I don't think anybody's like, you know what, you know. And he worked through that. You know, he he was the guy in charge of messaging when that broke, when grabbing by the pussy broke. Yeah, he well. was in charge of the campaign. Just, and he was probably saying they're like, yeah, that's what you do. You just grab yeah. him by the pussy. Hence his sense of entitlement that this isn't a thing that anyone's going to give a shit about or anyone's going to do anything about and and i have big ups to her to trishelle odom because i you know I, i'm sure this is, she's not the he she can't be the first one if he's doing it at somebody that high profile like that means it worked in the past and he's done it to women before because there's yeah. no way at this age he's discovering this on someone like that but think you know big ups to her because she you think she i'm sure somebody came to her and was like for the party you should just not say anything because if you talk about this publicly it could hurt us and the democrats might win as well she's married to a billionaire and her name is trash that's not true look at jeff bezos's wife ex-wife yeah she's not married to a billionaire she's fucking awesome she's no longer married to a billionaire that's facts right but it doesn't make someone intrinsically a bad person but her new husband's married to a billionaire isn't he? Wait, who's I new don't husband? Know about them. Wait, I mean, Bezos' yes. wife got remarried. I thought. I know she got a man. Yeah. Okay. You're he's saying he's a teacher. He seemed pretty cool. <laughs> Jeff Bezos' ex-wife no, no, married I, we, a high school yeah. science teacher, yeah. and also she's not a billionaire anymore because she's given away so much of her money that she doesn't have billionaire staff. No, she still has. Billions. No, she's she's still she still has billions. Uh, but what she is doing is definitely very rad. I'm not. I'm but she's giving it away at, at an incredible pace. Bigger, she she's give given it away, away at the rate yeah. that she will she's, not be a billionaire. Yeah. She's I given mean, away everything that she more than everything that we've seen. any other human being so far Ever. right now. Like Absolutely. she is the most philanthropic. She is the most full on rapist. I can't pronounce it right. How do you say that word? Sorry. It's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 
I'm a full-on rapist, you know? Excuse me? You know, I like the children. <laughs> it's a good joke. We uh, On that show, That's a sample. I sampled uh, that joke for our show, well, and it I, wasn't okay. Was it trademark? Was it? Probably. Uh, no. Uh, was it? That, that is, um, shit. Hopefully not Engelberg Humperdinck. It's the publishing word. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter. Um... I don't know that that Corey Lewandowski uh, bit was really about ending on a high note. I was just kind of like, hey, do we have anything funny to end on? I just, you know. Hey, the guy that's in charge of Trump's money just got fucked when it's time to pull the money out for midterms. I like that. I know it's it's petty. That's pretty funny. I mean, I'm sad for Trishel for being, you know, molested in in public. For anybody. Yeah, I am. This shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't, you know, it's, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Um, I think ending on Adam Strange being sad for someone is pretty funny. That is humorous. Sad all the time. Um, I watch so many documentaries about true crime. All I do is cry. All right, here's what we're ending on. Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> is uh, is is back in the game. Nobody he, wants he, him there. And he's going after Brian Laundry. Claims that he's got. Quote tons of tips. Yeah, he found. Like, He's not the sharing them with campground. law enforcement. He found like a fire thing. He's and flying an airplane all around Florida that says, "If you have any tips, call this number." Also, if you like true crime, you should watch Homicide City season one. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. We will check that. Oh my god, Are you kidding me? That's that's a hard close right there. Absolutely. All right. Uh, on behalf of Silvery Plath. And uh, the DP of Homicide City. Uh, And uh, also known as Alicia Silverstone, Yoni Barra, Paloma Abdul. uh, And my man, Adam Strange, the Vice Count, Dirty Finger, uh, Infidel Castro. I am your host, uh, Falio Glacius, the foul mouth jerk, MC Onion, the rap scallion, the boulevard under God, known to the ladies as a pimp named Sugar Cookie. Uh, you have been rocking with the worst. This is the worst case scenario. Because two wrongs don't make it right, but three wrongs definitely make it worst.